Today's reading from Luke is probably the most confounding of all the parables found in the Gospels, the parable of the dishonest manager. In it, in case you didn't get what happened, a manager is caught and fired by his master for some unspoken shady practices and told to hand over the accounts. Distressed, the manager decides to cook the books and lowers the amount of debt owed to his master by certain debtors. In doing so, he gains the gratitude of those debtors who now owe him a favor. So after losing his job, this manager can then rely on the assistance of these debtors who will take him into their own homes and care for him. Upon discovering the dishonest manager's trickery, the master actually commends him for his shrewdness. As readers of this parable, we are left, we're, we're left scratching our heads and wondering what just happened. But our confusion quickly turns to shock when Jesus instructs his own disciples to follow that manager's example. Make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Okay, so parables are supposed to leave us stumped. Their purpose is to shake the listener out of his or her complacency with their unexpected endings or their surprise twists on the world's sense of justice and righteousness. Parables are sort of God's way of saying, you think you got it all figured out, but there is more to my grace than meets the eye, so listen up. But the truth is, most parables don't really challenge us anymore. Modern Christians can usually see the story's ending coming from a mile away. We know the Good Samaritan is going to turn out to be the true neighbor, not the priest or the Levite. We understand that it's the Jews' ethnic prejudice against Samaritans that is being confronted in that parable, and, you know, we vaguely recognize that we should try to be less racist ourselves. Our conscience may even be momentarily pricked when we realize that we casually stroll past injured strangers every day, like in that parable of the Good Samaritan. But there's no longer any challenge in this parable for us. We can simply write a check to Good Samaritan House and absolve ourselves of any further responsibility. And yes, of course, the prodigal son will be met on the road once more by the forgiving father. They'll have a big welcome home party, and the older, more responsible son will refuse to join in, preferring to remain outside, stewing with resentment. We already know the parable's message. It's never too late to repent. God's forgiveness is extravagant with open arms. We might even play the game of which son am I to try to relate to the parable a little more. But ultimately, though we might feel a twinge of pity for the older son who was responsible all his life, we feel kind of set with what this parable has to teach us. But then along comes the parable of the dishonest manager once every three years to shake us out of our complacency. It is the ugly stepchild of the parable family. It's the one where a bad guy does more bad things and gets away with it, after which Jesus praises his behavior. Suddenly, we as listeners are plunged into uncertainty. You know, we, we know the proper response to calls for repentance and to helping our neighbor and the other lessons from our favorite parables, but what do we do with a story that seems to recommend swindling as a Christian pastime? How could Jesus be commending shrewdness to us? 
Well, hearing this parable is probably the closest we modern Christians will ever come to feeling some of the confusion and discomfort of those first listeners of Jesus' stories. Back then, it was a time when praising a Samaritan as good was scandalous, and a prodigal son was his family's greatest shame. The sense of injustice that I feel over this manager's getting away with it is palpable, and it reminds me of how indignant I would get when I was little watching Bugs Bunny cartoons. Even as a child, I bristled when Bugs got away with all the mayhem and violence he inflicted on his victims. Granted, Elmer Fudd was trying to shoot him, but... (laughs) What Bugs did to this amiable hunter was over the top. Never mind the injuries sustained by Daffy Duck as a result of that rabbit's shrewd antics. I wanted Bugs Bunny punished for his crimes, much like I want this dishonest manager to be taught a lesson at the end of today's parable. Instead, both are commended for their cunning, and they leave us with a worldview that condones misbehavior which is kind of the world we live in today. If you remember, about 10 years ago, banks were bailed out with government money after devastating our economy, and their CEOs were not punished but rewarded with million-dollar bonuses. Our dishonest manager would fit right in with today's culture, and he'd probably do well on many a reality TV show. Survivor, for example, whose 39th season premieres this coming Wednesday, in case you're interested. (laughs) Like the contestants on Survivor, our dishonest manager has forged alliances with others, compelling them to owe him at a future time when he will need their help. Survivor rewards its contestants' deceit and cunning with a million-dollar prize. And we live in a society where such shows have brought in big ratings, still. So we inhabit the world of the dishonest manager. Today's parable requires us to hear God's call from an unexpected place. Jesus commends the dishonest manager not for his misdeeds, but for his shrewdness. On the verge of being fired, his reputation tarnished beyond repair, the distressed manager is astute enough to take initiative and to do what he must in order to survive. Likewise, Christ calls us in these desperate times, to take action, to be bold in word and deed, to do what we must to manifest God's kingdom on earth, because our world is dying every day from lack of Christ's message of extravagant love, true repentance, and neighborly compassion. So today's parable reaches out to shake us from our complacency and summons us to action, wise as serpents, and innocent as doves. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. Like contestants on Survivor, we are spurred to take initiative and use our cunning. Unlike them, however, our goal is not our own selfish gain, but the welfare of others. We are called to be connivers for Christ. And since we cannot serve both God and wealth, we are obliged to use our wealth, time, and resources in service to God's work in the world. Does that make sense about the 
what we're called to do, does that, in, in comparison with a dishonest manager, it kind of doesn't, does it? Um, what I'm trying to say is Jesus is saying to us, get my message out into the world by your words and your deeds, by hook or by crook. Don't be nicey-nice about it. Be shrewd about it, because that's how it's going to change. This is where I would normally insert my stewardship talk, but you'll get that later. And there's more of that talk. (laughs) Jesus warns, if then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? We must faithfully use the wealth of this world to manifest the true riches of the heavenly realm, compassion, mercy, and charity. In so doing, we become honest stewards of God's creation, taking the master's resources that have been entrusted to our care and putting them to their proper use. And so we gather once more this morning to discern the best way forward for St. Luke's in this stewardship season, even as we enter into our third year of ministry together. My second anniversary is October 15th. We recommit to enlivening this parish we so dearly love. There's so much coming down the pike next year, just you wait. We cancel the debts of those who owe us an apology, an explanation. We write checks and we bestow extravagant love upon those who need it most. We turn away from our selfish needs and forge alliances, holding one another accountable to a future of mutual reliance. Desperate times call for desperate parables. So let us begin to follow the example of the dishonest manager taking initiative to ensure that Christ's message survives. Our world needs to be shaken out of its complacency, and sometimes so do we. So with cunning love and challenging truths, perhaps we can reach through the swirl of material things that are passing away in this life and offer to others our open hearts, those conduits of God's enduring grace and mercy. Amen. Amen.